Welcome to the Alpha Male Coach Podcast, the only podcast that teaches men the cognitive mastery and alpha mindset that it takes to become an influential and irresistible man of confidence. Here's your host, certified life coach and international man of mystery, Kevin Ayo. What's up, my brothers? Welcome back to the Alpha Male Coach Podcast. I am your host, Kevin Ayo. And today on this podcast episode, we're going to talk about money. We're going to talk about money. We're going to talk about work, labor. And we're really going to talk deeply about how we really don't understand the concept of money. When I say we, I'm talking about human beings. It is, we have a psychological issue, a psychological illusion when it comes to money. This year in the podcast, specifically in the academy, specifically, will be all about relationships. Brothers, in fact, the academy itself is all about relationships. However, I'm giving you, I'm offering this episode today because I still find this concept of money to be a great burden for the majority of people, all of the people. In fact, every single person that I'm around, every single person I talk to, every single person I come in contact with just doesn't understand the concept of money. And I wouldn't say that money is the root of all evil. However, it is certainly the root of all fear. And if you believe that evil is the effect of fear, then I guess you could say that money is the root of all evil. But the real evil is the confusion of the abstraction for the reality. That's really where we get into our deepest suffering. It isn't so much evil, as I say, but it's mostly just the cause of a lot of suffering. Because you see, brothers, the map is not the terrain. The word is not the process. The word is not the thing. I can say to you, cloud, and we will know, we will all know what I'm talking about, as long as you speak English. I say the word cloud, we all know what I'm talking about. However, we get lost believing that the thing we are talking about is actually a cloud. It is not a cloud. Cloud is a symbol. It's a word. It's a sound. It's not a thing. The thing in the sky is the thing. We point to the thing in the sky, right? That white billowy thing in the sky. That's the thing. It's not the word. That's not a cloud. The cloud is the label that we put on it. It's the symbol that we use. It's the sound. Cloud is a sound. It's not the thing. We call it a cloud for purposes of communication and measurement in order to measure the foreground, which is the cloud, from the background, which is the sky. And likewise, I want to talk to you about the difference between a job and a purpose. When people ask me what I do for work, (laughs) I tell them I don't work. When people ask me what my job is, I tell them I don't have a job. Because a job is some unpleasant work you do in order to make money with the sole purpose of making money. And I don't do that. Okay. I don't do that. I have a vocation. I have a purpose. However, I don't have a job and I don't work. Now, there are plenty of jobs because there's still a certain amount of dirty work that nobody wants to do and that therefore they will pay someone to do. However, there is essentially less and less of that kind of work because of mechanization because of technology. And now we're beginning to see artificial intelligence. And all of these advances in our human experience have been either suppressed or vilified for the very reason that they free us from the burden of labor, which we think we need in order to make money. Brothers, hear me when I tell you this. If you do a job or go to work with the sole purpose of making money, you are insane. You are conditioned. You are deeply in your beta conditioning. Because if money becomes the goal, and it does when you work that way, you will 
begin increasingly to confuse it with happiness or with pleasure. Now, look, if you truly are in love with money, <laughs> then yes, you can take all of your cash out of the bank, right? Take all the cash, go to your bank, take, withdraw it all, withdraw it all into cash, spread it around on your floor, spread it around on your bed, stick it to your walls, roll around in it, make love to it. You know, you can do all of that, but this kind of person doesn't exist. This is not you or anyone you know. No one really loves money itself because we all know that money's paper. It's just paper with ink on it, or even less, like it's just numbers in a bank account. And a person like this who does this, who takes all their cash out and spreads around and rolls around it, is really confused. It's like a Pavlov's dog who salivates at the wrong bell. You know, you're salivating at the money bell instead of the resource bell, or intelligence bell, or energy bell. Because that's really what wealth is. Wealth is resources, intelligence, and energy. Now, as I mentioned, one of the reasons that our technology is, is, is impeded and prevented from feeding the world properly, and why the narrative around AI is full of doomsday predictions is due to the failure of our ability to understand what money is and how it works and what its purpose is. We have the most unbelievable superstitions and psychological blocks around money, and our psychological attitude to money is a major obstacle to a proper development of technology and artificial intelligence, enabling it to do what it is supposed to do, which is to save labor, free us from labor, and to produce goods and services. Now, I'm going to tell you guys a story. It's story time, right? This isn't a personal story. <laughs> I know you guys love the personal stories. But this story is one of my teachers, one of my teachers told me many, many years ago. Now, this story isn't true in the literal sense. Like I say, it's not a literal story. It's not a real, it's not real life. However, it's true in the allegorical sense. Here's the story. Now, the great banks of the world the banks of all the nations of the world at one time got so tired of the expense and security measures involved in shipping consignments of gold from one bank to another. And so they decided that all the national banks of the world would open offices on a certain island in the Caribbean, which was beautiful and comfortable, and there they would store all the gold in the world. All the gold, every scrap of gold that existed in the world went to this island, and they put it in huge subterranean vaults where you could go, you could only reach these vaults by deep, deep elevator shafts. And then all they had to do when one bank or one country owed gold to another was to move it across the street, right? It was to move it from one vault to the next vault. And this was very efficient. Now, this went on beautifully for five or six years. It was all perfectly run. And then the presidents of the world banks got together and said, you know, let's have a convention out on this island and let's, we'll take our wives. We'll take our families. We'll have a good time. We'll just, we'll just go out there and, and, and take a vacation. So about seven years from the date of opening all, all of these banks, the presidents and their wives and their families, they went out to the Caribbean and they inspected the books, you know, of every country, of every nation. They went out there, they look at the books and everything was beautifully in order. All the bookkeeping was perfect. And so they said, hurrah, hooray, we did it. Everything's wonderful. Let's enjoy our vacation. But then the children said, oh, but can't we go see the gold? And of course they said, well, of course you can see the gold, right? And so the presidents of these nations, they said to the vault managers who lived on the island, they said to the managers and the bookkeepers, they said, "Can let's take our children down to the vaults and show them the gold. And the manager said, well, um, uh, you know, it's a little bit uh, inconvenient at this time. And, uh, you know, perhaps the children would, you know, um, not really be very interested. 
After all, it's only just plain old gold. And the president said, oh, no, 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 They're, they'd be thrilled to see the gold. Let's go down and see. You know, and there was further resistance and delays and, and humming and hawing. And finally, it came out that a few years before, there had been a catastrophic subterranean earthquake, and all the vaults had been swallowed up, and all the gold had disappeared into the center of the earth. But so far as the bookkeeping was concerned, everything was in perfect order. <laughs> Everything was fine. All the nations of all the wealth of every nation was accounted for, according to the books. But there was no gold. It had disappeared. It had all been swallowed up by the earth. Now, what this story means is that money is nothing but bookkeeping. It's just figures. It is a way of measuring what you owe the community and what the community owes you. And it is, of course, as you all know, a substitute for barter and trade. If you worked on a farm and the farmer paid you in terms of ears of corn, right? paid you in onions, cabbages, or other vegetables, and you wanted a pot and pan of some kind to cook these vegetables with, then you could take a few vegetables over to the blacksmith who made these pots and pans, and you would, you would swap, you would trade, because, of course, he needed the food to eat, and you needed the pots and pans to cook with. And eventually, some people used shells to stand for money or stones to stand for money so that you wouldn't have to barter and carry around all these inconvenient loads. Like you wouldn't have to carry around all your vegetables and the blacksmith wouldn't have to carry around all his pots and pans. And then of course, over time, gold was used because gold was rare and because gold was supposed to have a constant value. Now here's a question. In the past, when a banker bought gold, what did he pay for it with? What did he use to pay for the gold? And the answer is a mystery. And that mystery is called credit. He used credit, and credit is bookkeeping. Basically, he would take your gold, write in his ledger that he was taking in a certain amount of gold, then he would print some dollars in the amount of that gold he bought, and he would give it to you in his book. He'd say, okay, I've received $10,000 worth of gold, received the gold, and then he would write out these promissory notes in exchange for the gold. The dollar bill and all their form of currency is a credit owed to you by the banks for its value in gold. So now you have $10,000 that represent 10,000 units of gold. It's simply a note of credit for you, owed to you in gold. Now, of course, we've gone off the gold standard because of the economy of the Western world and really because of the entire world, because of the economy of the entire world. But as it develops, it was found that there was not enough gold around if it were to remain constant in value to exchange goods and services. Do you hear what I'm saying here, brothers? Here's what I'm saying. As our global population increases, and these people, these this increase in population, are producing more and more goods and services, as well as resources, as well as intelligence and energy, there wasn't enough gold to keep up with that increase. Now, of course, you could have changed the picture by putting down the prices of goods and services to keep pace with the amount of gold in circulation, right? The math is very simple. And follow me on this math, okay? The amount of resources, intelligence, and energy rises, right? Because of population. If there's, if we go from 1,000 people to 2,000 people, then we're going to produce those, that extra 1,000 people are going to produce twice as much resources. 1,000 people are going to produce 10,000 ears of corn. 2,000 people are going to produce 20,000 years of corn. So we have an increase of resources. Plus, with all these extra people, we have an increase of intelligence, increase of discoveries, and an increase of energy. Therefore, we need to print more paper money to account for this increase in goods and services. That's bookkeeping. More goods and services, more money. 
because the money is simply an exchange of resources, energy, and intelligence. Now, in order to make sure that that extra paper money in circulation matches the finite amount of gold, the prices will have to drop. That's balance. The prices actually have to go down. Here's the math. More goods and services. Goods and services go up, which is equal to money going up into circulation. The amount of money goes up because the money is equal to goods and services. But because there's a set amount of gold, how do, how do we balance that equation? We balance that equation by dropping prices. But nobody will ever put down the price. <laughs> there is something in our psychological insanity whereby prices always tend to go up, but at the same time, therefore, because the amount of gold in the world did not provide an adequate balance for the circulation of goods and services, all the great industrial nations of the world went heavily into debt. You have a finite amount of gold, you have an increase of goods and services, you have an increase of the money produces, produced, money in circulation, money created, and then you have an increase of price. <laughs> this is debt. Prices went up, more money was printed, yet the gold was finite, and thus the extra credit on the books that was being printed in the mints created a thing called the national debt, which year by year gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. It's never going to go down. Okay, no matter what the politicians tell you, it's never going to go down. The only way for it to go down is for, for us to balance the equation. You know, so the only way for us to balance the equation is to lower the price and stop printing the money. Because, I mean, not, not stop printing the money, but by lowering the price. Because the money is equal to the goods and services. Now, the reason for the increase of the national debt is extremely obvious. As I've just said, it's basic math. Anybody with intelligence, any, 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 any five-year-old kid, any, any, anybody in first or second grade could figure this out. It's basic math. It's arithmetic. It is that with an expanding gross national product that there needs to be more and more money, which is simply tokens of exchange. Money is just tokens of exchange, whether it be shells or rocks or gems, in order to circulate the amounts, the amount of goods produced, which is ever increasing. So you got to print more money because there's more goods. But in order to keep it balanced, you got to lower the price. Now, I'm not an economist, but any fool can certainly see extreme this extremely fundamental principle that it's all an illusion it's all an illusion money is a circulation of information and in itself has no value and what is the information it's circulating it's circulating the amount of goods and services in the world it's circulating resources intelligence and energy it is nothing in and of itself money is nothing money does not exist it is a measurement it's like an inch an inch is a measurement now, there is a real distance. There's a real distance between point A and point B, but the inch itself is an illusion, an arbitrary measure of distance. Gold, of course, has some value. It has some value in industry. It has some value for dentistry. It has some value for jewelry. But as a means of exchange, exchanging goods and services, it is as primitive as the Pony Express, <laughs> you know, those horses for carrying the mail. Now, brothers, you have to recognize that money is a pure abstraction. I was talking to students the other day, and they were going on and on about unemployment. They were talking about artificial intelligence taking jobs and how employment was going to go up and unemployment was going to go up and, you know, the cars and trucks that drive themselves and how that will ruin the trucking industry, putting thousands of people out of work and into poverty. And finally, I just had to interrupt them. I was like, look, brothers, the problem, really, the trouble is that you guys still think money is real. And I stopped and they looked at me sort of laughed at first and said, oh, here we go, right? Because they're my students, they know me. Here we go, right? Kevin is about to tell us something spiritual and crazy. 
You know, he's someone who doesn't think that money is real because every everybody knows money is money and it's very important and it's very real. <laughs> Our entire lives depend on it, <laughs> right? It's like survival in and of itself, like money we need it. It's like the air we breathe. But the truth is, it just isn't real at all because it has the same relationship to real wealth which are actual goods and services. That's what wealth is. Wealth is goods and services, resources, intelligence and energy. I keep saying that over and over, right? Because I want you guys to understand this. Wealth is not money. Money isn't measurement of wealth, you know? And money has the same relationship to real wealth that words have to the physical world, like the cloud that I was talking about. Cloud is not the thing in the sky. It's how we measure it. It's how we talk about it. And as words are not the physical world, money is not wealth. Money is only an accounting of physical resources, intelligence, and available energy in an, in, in an economic system. Now, what happens that when you introduce technology, be it automation, mechanization, artificial intelligence into production, is that you produce enormous quantities of goods by technolo technological methods, but at the same time, you put people out of work. And there will be people that say, oh, but you can always create more jobs. There'll always be more jobs. You know, that's kind of like one of some of the politicians out there said, oh, well, you know, we'll have more jobs. We'll create more jobs. We'll just create them out of nothing, right? Yeah, well, you can, but most of these jobs will be wasting time. You know, lots of these jobs making every kind of unnecessary contraption. And then you'll have to beguile and convince the public into feeling that they need these unnecessary things that aren't even beautiful, that, that, that serve no purpose, whether they either in function or in fashion. And therefore, an enormous amount of nonsense, employment, and busy work, bureaucratic and otherwise, has to be created in order to keep people working. Because we believe that work is required for money, and money is required for survival. Or if you take the more Protestant religious sense that the devil finds work for idle hands to do, so he must always be busy or else we're going to go out and we're going to do something aberrant, right? We're going to go out and commit crimes if we, don't, if we aren't keeping our minds and our bodies busy. But the basic principle of the whole thing, which has been completely overlooked, is that the purpose of the machine, the purpose of technology, the purpose of artificial intelligence is to make drudgery unnecessary and to free us from the burden of laboring simply for labor itself. And if we don't allow it to achieve its purpose, we live in a constant state of frustration and slavery. Look, brothers, if a manufacturer automates his plant, as a few have, especially car manufacturers, you know, there's this new Tesla machine out there that is completely made by machines, right? So if a manufacturer automates his plant and dismisses his labor force, and then they have to survive on a diminished income, then you then the manufacturer suddenly finds that the public does not have the currency to buy his product, and therefore he has invested in this expensive technology and machinery to no purpose. Because if you dismiss the labor force, how are they going to get paid? <laughs> and if they don't get paid, how are they going to buy the product that the machines are making? If the people don't have the money to pay for the goods, then the use of the machines to create the goods is meaningless. Therefore, the public has to be provided with the means of purchasing what the machines produce, right? And so the obvious question is, where's the money going to come from? Who's going to pay for it? And the answer is the machine. The machine pays for it because the machine works for the manufacturer and for the community. And look, this is not some communist idea that you ex expropriate from the manufacturer. And you say, you can't own this factory anymore. You can't run this factory because it's owned by the government. I'm not saying that at all. I know that's what the politicians want you to hear. I know that's what the government wants you to hear. But I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is that the government, which is the people, have to be responsible for issuing to themselves 
sufficient credits, which is currency, which is money, to circulate the goods they are producing and have to balance the measuring standard of money with the gross national product. Now, again, this means two things. I'm going to get to those two things in a moment, but let me say that again. If the machines are doing all the work, if everything is completely automated, like you go to the grocery store and you've got the automated checkout, right? You don't, we don't need, a, we don't need a cashier. We don't need a teller, right? You go to the grocery store and you do the self-checkout. You got these cars that are being made with complete with machinery. So if everything is done with machinery, then what we do is we measure the total amounts of the gross national product. We measure the total amount of the goods and the services. Let's say there's $100 billion worth of goods and services in, in, in the U.S. So we print out, we have exactly that amount of money in circulation. And we deliver it to the people who then can go out and use those that money to buy the goods and services that the machines are producing, thereby freeing us of labor and of debt. But again, this means two things. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm telling you guys this, and you're probably either you, either you don't understand or you're rejecting it outright. You're probably rejecting it outright because you don't understand. Because this means two things have to happen. First, it means that we need a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. And we do not have that at, as, at present. I know you guys might out there, you might be in love with America, but I'm telling you right now, we have a form of socialist fascism. That's what's happening. We do not live in a democracy. So that's number one. We have to have a government that is run by the people, not by the government itself. And second, this means that taxation is obsolete. There's no need for taxes. Taxes become completely obsolete. In fact, as I'm saying, it ought to be the other way around. Every individual should be assured of a minimum income. Now, when I say that, most people are so absolutely horrified. <laughs> of course, that's what I do. <laughs> right? I'm the alpha male coach. I'm the alpha male coach. You understand? Not the beta male coach. I'm taking you guys to another level. I'm taking you guys to the alpha level. Not to this level of beta that we all survive in because we're all scared and afraid and we're all just trying to survive. That's the beta level. I'm taking you guys to the alpha level. I take the counterintuitive approach to things. And since almost every part of our system and conditioning is broken, I'm more often correct in my assertions. <laughs> and I'm not saying that from ego or arrogance. I'm saying that from pure observation. Now, most people say, all these people who are out of a job, right? Now, most people say, oh, it's the Generation Zers, right? It's the millennials. Or it's the, just, it's the people that are out of a job because they're lazy, right? You know, they don't want to produce. They don't want to work. They don't want to slave. They don't want to labor. You just want to give them money? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Because if we don't do that, then the machines can't work. They become a blockage. Then the artificial intelligence, the technology can't work. And brothers, this is not something new. I'm not saying anything that's completely revolutionary. This was the situation of the Great Depression when we were still, in a material sense, we, the U.S., in a material sense, was a very wealthy country with plenty of fields, plenty of farms and mines and factories, everything working, everything going. But suddenly, because of a psychological hang-up, because of some mysterious mumbo-jumbo about the economy, about banking, we all chose to be miserable and poor, starving in the midst of plenty just because of a psychological hang-up. And that hang-up is that money is real and that people ought to suffer in order to get it. But the whole point of the machine and technology is to relieve you of that suffering. You know, we are psychologically in the 17th century and technologically in the 21st century. And here comes the problem. That's the problem. What we have to do, 
what we have to find out is how to change the psychological attitude around money and around wealth. Change the psychological attitude to, 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 to money, to wealth, to pleasure, and to the nature of work. And this is a very formidable problem. It requires the best brains in public relations. It requires the use of the media. It requires everything to try to get across a message to the vast general public about what money is. And unfortunately, all of these systems are working the opposite way. Because the difficulty is when the public suspects that the money that is being issued, right, the dollar bill being printed by the government, is only paper and stands for only paper, that they start putting up prices. So you get an inflationary situation where the more paper money there is in the higher and higher and higher prices go up, which is a very stupid psychological maneuver. And people have to be persuaded somehow not to put their prices up and how to even things out, how to balance this equation. But that's not what our government is telling us. That's not what the banks are telling us. That's not what the media is telling is telling us. And that's why it's so important to understand this about money, just for you, just for you, brother, because you're not going to get it from the government. You're not going to get it from your education system. You're not going to get it from your banks. You're not going to get it from society at all. In fact, society is trying to keep you a slave. Society wants you to believe that money is the most important thing in the world so that you keep working. So you maintain your, you maintain to, you, you maintain your status as a slave. That you stay in debt, you keep paying taxes, and you keep working just so you can retire a dead man. That's why I'm telling you this. That's why I'm trying to break you out of your beta condition. That's why I'm here to help you elevate your alpha. It's so important for you to understand this about money. It's just not real. And a lot of people don't know that money is a measurement of wealth. It's a measurement of wealth. It's not real wealth. Money is not wealth. It's a way we measure it. It's like looking at a map and saying that that's the terrain. You know, you look at a map on your telephone, a Google map, and you say, oh, that must be what the environment at that place is like. If you open up Greece, if you open up Athens, Greece on your Google Maps, you hit the satellite filter, you say, oh, that's exactly what it feels like to be in Athens, Greece. Of course it doesn't, because it's a map. You're looking at a phone. You're not actually there in Athens. Just like money is not real wealth. Having money in your bank account does not make you wealthy. Money is not wealth. It's a measurement. It may be a measurement of your intelligence, right? Of your energy, of your resources. But it's not real wealth. And like I said before, money is like inches. Dollars are like inches. Inches are a way of measuring real distance, but inches themselves are not real. We have meters and we have yards. Two different ways of measuring distance, right? The standardized system and the metric system. Just like we have dollars and we have pesos. Two different ways of measuring wealth. And like the meter and the yard, the dollar and the peso don't exist. The wealth is real. Just like the space, the distance is real. The, measure, the distance between point A and point B, that's real. Dollars are a way of measuring real wealth. Real wealth consists of material resources plus energy plus intelligence. That's wealth. Money represents it. And so therefore, we don't realize that as our wealth increases, as a result of an expanded technology and population, we have to provide enough money to circulate it. I'm not saying we stop printing money. Printing money is not the cause of inflation. Prices going up are the cause of inflation. Because once the prices go up, 
we got to print more. (laughs) The goods and services maintain the same amount. We have the same amount of goods and services, but the prices go up. And so people, in order for us to afford these prices, how do we do? We print more. That's the cause of inflation. We need to put the prices down to balance the equation. But it doesn't really matter because money itself isn't real. Only the goods and services are real. In other words, we have to pay people for the work done on their behalf by machinery and technology because otherwise the manufacturer won't be able to, won't be able to move the goods off the shelf. Whatever the machines are doing in those factories in Tesla, whatever the machines are doing that otherwise humans would have done, right? You got humans working in Ford and GM. You got machines working in Tesla. But either way, we got to pay the humans for the work they're doing at Ford and GM, just like we pay the humans for what the machines are doing at Tesla. We still got to pay the humans because the machines are making the goods and services. They're making the goods. They're making the cars. The cars are real. The cars become a, a product. That product is created through automation. So yes, I'm talking about handing out free money. Now again, I know this sounds like an outrageous idea. I'm suggesting that we just give people money because we have machinery, because we have automation, because we have technology, because we have artificial intelligence. And you ask, where's the money going to come from? Well, money never did come from anywhere. It's like asking, where do inches come from? It's like asking, where do meters come from? It's a silly question. What do you mean, where do inches come from? They come from your mind. They're arbitrary. They don't come from anywhere. They don't even really exist. And we need to realize that technology was invented to save labor. You know, it doesn't mean in order to dismiss your employees, you can make a greater profit. I'm not talking about that. I'm not saying, oh, like, you know, we have this technology so I can get rid of my employees and not pay them. And then I can have a greater profit margin. That's just greed. It means you let them have a vacation. It means you have a shorter work week. And for you, yourself, as the owner, if you're the owner of the company, it means you get to do less as well. So now you can go home and you can meditate. You can read a book. You can go windsurfing, go rock climbing. You can go make love to your lady friend. And why not? That's what we're here for. That's what the alpha state is all about. It's about recognizing the truth. We're here for bliss. We're here for pleasure. We're not here to struggle and toil and and suffer. And everybody feels guilty about this. (laughs) You know, everybody feels guilty about this idea of freedom from labor. People think having archaic minds when we didn't have this technology, that they must go on behaving the same way as when the machines didn't exist. So I mean, like psychologically, we're in the 17th century. There's no machinery out there. So we need to continue to behave as if we're in the 17th century, but we're not. We're in the 21st century. So our minds are stuck. We're stuck. But now we have these machines, but we suppress them and we vilify them and we won't use them because we're so afraid of losing our jobs because we think our jobs are what bring us money. And sometimes we use them. We use them in silly ways. Like, for example, rushing around everywhere in automobiles, polluting the air, right? We use them for cars. You know, brothers, COVID, which was only a few years ago, COVID showed us that you don't really have to commute. Most businesses, you don't have to leave your home. If you have a telephone, if you have a computer, if you have Wi-Fi, you don't need an office. You don't need to go to an office building. You don't need to go rushing around, exhausting yourself and getting absolutely furious in the traffic jams on the freeway. And we're all out there getting angry and worried about things that we can't control, things we have nothing, we have no control over. And the news media is a part of this nonsense. You know, we look at TV, we look at the meta, you know, the little Mark Zuckerberg junk, whatever that is, the Facebook and the Instas. What is that thing? Uh, the gram, right? The Instagram. And we see the dis- the disasters occurring all over the world and feel upset and mad and there's nothing we can do about it. Why waste your time? Why waste your time? 
If you could count up all the hours you spend watching TV and driving around and, commu- and commuting and from here to there, you'll realize that the electronic method of communication that is the technology is much less expensive than the ordinary way one goes about things. You know, it's like an automobile as a mechanical imitation of a horse and carriage, which is now completely irrational. We don't use horse and carriages anymore because we have this car. Well, guess what, brothers? Now we have computers and Wi-Fi. So now the car is as irrational as the horse and carriage. We don't need it. We don't need it to get to work anyway. We don't need to get our groceries. You know, you can order groceries online. You can order groceries and have them delivered online. And you know what? The more and more cars that are being made out there that are driverless, you don't need, no one has to drive. Now, look, I may be coming off topic a bit, right? I was referring to this idea that everybody needs money. <laughs> and while this is the system, the conditioning, the social consensus, the truth is that everybody doesn't need money. But while it is a social consensus, that that's what we all need. Let's, let's at least be genuine about it. Let's at least be honest about it. Let's not continue to lie to ourselves and to each other about it. We live under conditions where money, as I've tried to explain, is simply not understood. There's no education around money. And there are people that hem and haw about that. Oh, we need to educa- educate our kids about how to balance their finances and their checkbooks. Well, that's because you still don't understand money. You want to teach kids how to be in slavery and be in debt. Because you don't understand money. We don't need to teach our kids how to manage their finances. We need to teach kids that money isn't real. Because where it is not seen for the fiction and the useful fiction, which it is, and so what we do is we have this income tax, which is the most absurd system of accounting ever conceived. Think about this. Have you ever tried to figure out what it costs to pay income tax? Your income tax? Not just the tax itself. I know you probably do that. If you do your own taxes, I know you probably figure out what your income tax is. But I'm talking about the cost of paying it to yourself and to the government. You know what the cost of that is? It's colossal. I'm talking about all the employees that work for the IRS. I'm talking about all the th- all the people that work for H&R Block, all the accountants, all the bookkeepers out there. That's the cost of paying taxes. It's ridiculous. There's so much money being circulated for no reason whatsoever, because the whole system of taxation itself has become completely irrelevant or will become completely irrelevant when we understand money. Like, why doesn't the government simply take off the top as much money as it needs and issue the rest to the people? That's my question, right? It would be much simpler. It'd be much cheaper. And this whole silly business that torments everybody would be canceled, right? This whole taxation, the Department of Internal Revenue and all of its officers wouldn't You know, they don't need to be frightened of losing their jobs because they could simply be the officials who work in the other direction. You know, rather than being the collectors of the taxes, they could be the dispensers of the money to everybody to pay them for the amount of work done by the machines and the technology and the AI on their behalf. I mean, doesn't that make sense? And if it doesn't make sense, (laughs) then come into the academy. Come recognize that you are moving into a new reality, that you are stuck in the predicament of a limited reality. The beta condition, the society at large, the, 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 the way people see the world is a archaic, outdated, and insane view of existence and human, and human experience. And what we've got against this, if you don't understand this or if you're resisting this, is not an intellectual or mathematical block, brother. If you're resisting this, it's not because you're not intelligent. It's not, it's not intel- intelligence. It's not intellectual. And it's not mathematical. You know, it's not because the math doesn't work out. I can, pr- I can show you on paper that the math works out. So it's not an intelligence block. And it's not a mathematical block. It's a psychological block. 
It's a block because you've been raised in a form of conditioning and tradition perpetuated by religion and government, and you don't see that that is the inner meaning of technology. The inner meaning of technology is to save labor. And there, of course, we get into the great metaphysical and spiritual depths. That's what I'm saying. Just come into the academy. Come into the academy. Stop this nonsense. Elevate yourself. Engage with your trueness. Stop living a life according to other people's viewpoints. I know I may be coming at you with a little bit of passion today because that's what money does to me. Everybody's so brainwashed about this thing, about this concept. Everybody's so brainwashed around the map. They're looking at the map and they're saying, yeah, that's, that's the environment. It's like, brothers, it is not the environment. And I can't seem to break anybody out. It's like everybody thinks the world is flat. And I'm sitting here recording this podcast in such passion and, 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 and energy because I'm really trying to pull you out of this idea that the earth is flat. I'm really trying to get you to see that the world is round. And you may go off and make fun of flat earthers. You may go off and make fun of people that think the earth is flat. But if you think that money is real, you think the earth is flat. Judge not, lest ye be judged, right? <laughs> because many, many people live in illusions that you don't live in, but you live in the greatest illusion of all, that money is real. And as I said, if, if this is not making sense, please just come into the academy. I've, I've lowered, like, in order to make all this, in order to, just to, to walk the walk as I talk the talk, I have lowered the price of the academy. Check it out. Go to thealphamalecoach.com. Click on the Academy. You will see whatever you thought the price of the Academy was, I guarantee you it's less than you less, less than it was the last time you looked. I guarantee it. Come and enroll in the Academy and I will teach you this firsthand and you will get it. And again, like I said, it is a very deep metaphysical and spiritual depth. But so as far as the business of the matter, as far as the math and the reality are concerned, I think I've said thus far anyway, enough to commend itself to your careful consideration. And I come humbly for your opinion. I come humbly with my opinion. I come humbly for your election, for your consideration. Because brothers, like, look, I know I'm passionate about this, but that's because I'm trying to wake you up. I have not met a human being, man, woman, or child, that isn't obsessed with money. Even my niece, my little 10-year-old niece, is obsessed with money. And I know that's the conditioning of her father, my brother, because he's obsessed with money. He worships money. Most people worship money. Most people go to church on the weekend. They go to church. They go to temple. And they, they claim to worship God, but they don't. They worship money. And this is exactly the sickness. This is the insanity. Now, moving forward, brothers, we will discuss relationships in great depth. In great, great depth. I will probably not talk about money much in 2024. That's why this podcast is so moving. It's so passionate. I just wanted to express this point on money because it seems like the whole world is insane and brainwashed by this illusion of abstraction. Money isn't any more real than a meter or a yard or an inch. Where do inches come from? What are they? Tell me what an inch is. You may show me with a distance. You may say, oh, it's from here to there. I was like, no, no, showing me from here to there, that's a distance. It's explaining what an inch is, but what is it, right? You're explaining how we use an inch, but what is it? It isn't anything. It comes from your mind. It's like asking, what is a cloud? And you start talking to me about gases and moisture in the air. It's like, no, 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 no. That's not what it is. It's a way of explaining. It's an abstraction. You know, inches, meters, these are forms of measurements, only abstractions. The map is not the terrain. And when you free yourself of this illusion, brother, brother, listen, brother, please listen. When you free yourself of this illusion, you will be able to live the life you've come here to live. 
You will live a life of freedom, of love, of bliss, of purpose, and of truth, because that is your alpha state. Until next week, elevate your alpha. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Alpha Male Coach Podcast. If you enjoy what you've heard and want even more, sign up for Unleash Your Alpha, your guide to shifting to the alpha mindset at thealphamalecoach.com slash unleash.com.